Okay. <laughs> this one's going to be a bit long. Just saying. Uh, I have like three main rules. And I think everybody has... They have lines that they know about and they don't cross. I have like three. <laughs> and even those are definitely written in sand very close to water and can get obscured. You don't mess with kids by either abuse or murder unless they're evil and there goes some of the obscuring <laughs> um, you don't mess with pets it's not their fault if humans mistreated them and they wanted revenge or they were just hungry and you got a dead body on the ground you know or they get rabies and don't understand what's going on Lastly, you don't mess with the elderly unless they're evil. Again, obscuring my lines. And they're just three main rules that I try to stay away from when writing or reading or watching a movie. Um, I th They are... Three hard set rules that I do not want to touch. But at the same time, there's always room for blurring the lines. Of those three, Stephen King touches on every single one of them, and I still love him. You know, kids are like his bread and butter. Stand By Me, also known as The Body, which was the name of the short story that Stand By Me is based on. It, Pet Cemetery. The Shining, Children of the Corn, etc. Those all revolve around kids. For pets, two mainly come to mind. Um, Pet Cemetery and Cujo. Not going to count Sleepwalkers. I think that was the name of it, where... Um, Leo from Charmed was a cat shapeshifter. I'm pretty sure it wasn't even based on a movie, or not on a movie, on a book. That was like Stephen's first uh, playwright, his very first screenplay. And uh, that is some major nightmare fuel. So we're not going there. Uh... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and 
Nightmare Fury, and it was the prime example of why you don't mess with pets. It freaked me out. And just knew. Um, and this leaves the old people. You know, the golden years, which I have not watched or read yet. And I'm pretty sure there's others. Um, but apt pupil. They're the only two coming to mind. And it is because of my three rules. I kept putting this book off. Um, well, in part, that was, I kept putting this book off for so long. And I feel I needed to. I, yeah, at some point earlier, I would have been able to handle it. But at that point, I didn't have a copy and it wasn't important to me if I read it or not. You know, it kind of just like I had forgot about it for a while. And somewhere in that time, I could have read it, but I had forgotten about it. And I have the three, mainly one, don't mess with the elderly. And that kind of stuck in my head. Um, the other reason would be my conflicting opinions about soldiers in the German army during World War II. And here's where it probably gets my morals are a little askew and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just have a differing opinion than other people. <laughs> um, not saying in any shape or form, do I condone what the Third Reich was about or what Hitler was pushing? My issues are some of the soldiers weren't actually Nazis. They believed they were defending their country or, you know, they could have joined up before every, everything escalated and just continued to do their duty and listen to the commands of their superiors, like any other military. They were doing the same thing military does worldwide, defending their country, not necessarily the government officials in charge, but the people and country as a whole. But on the other hand, you can never truly know a person and they could easily lie about their beliefs to save themselves. So I was already on the fence about reading this book and then it got worse. 
Um, and of course, actually, this whole morality issue came after I saw one part of the movie. When I, because I saw one part of the movie when I was mm, somewhere around 10 or 11. I just lost my great grandpa, and his death hit me pretty hard. Uh, he had survived World War II. He was a soldier involved in D-Day, sent home with a purple heart for shrapnel in his shoulder. He uh, helped free people from a concentration camp. I want to say it was Buchenwald, 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 Wald, um, not a hundred percent sure on that, but I know it started with a B. <laughs> <coughs> And I was just really close to my grandpa. So I just, you know, recently lost him when I saw this one scene from the movie. That really forced me away from it. Um, it happened to be the scene where the boy was tormenting an old soldier forcing him to march around a room in his uniform. I couldn't do it. I saw enough of that scene, I flipped the channel. And that was... The, all he was doing was forcing the man to march... And I, I had issues. And I wanted, in the book, I now know the scene played out a bit differently, but in the movie, I swear they were, mar he was marching around a basement and, um, He was for he was wearing at the time I didn't know it was forced, but he was in a Nazi uniform and just marching from like one side to the other. I could see how it was upsetting the old man. Like in his face. I could all I could think about was someone doing that to my great grandpa. And I couldn't do it. For years, it kept popping back up on TV. I avoided it. Uh, people around me would talk about it a bit, and I'd ignore them. I finally decided to buy the book and give it a shot. You know, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. 
that one scene. But I bought it apparently last year, and I could have sworn I've had it for longer, but it was last year, and it wasn't until now I decided to pick it up, give it a shot. You know, I just decided it's time to read it, get it over with. I'm glad I did. A couple scenes were still hard to get through. But, uh... Yeah. Hang on. Oh, well. Yeah. So enough of my ranting. Let's, uh, get into the book. Todd Bowden is a regular, normal 13-year-old boy who wanted to be a detective when he grew up. Arthur, Arthur Denker is uh, our retired German soldier, roughly 76 years old at the time. His uh, real name is Kurt Dussander, Dussander, but I think I refer to him Denker more often. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this 13, and I'm just straight reading the notes because some of them were funny. Um, this 13 year old little shit somehow managed to dig up this whole, this man's whole life story from the library when none of the adult Nazi hunters could. Like, 13-year-old boy went to the library after recognizing Arthur on a bus, of all places. He just recognized the guy so he's already been doing research on uh, World War II. Recognized him from a news his picture in a newspaper clipping from years ago, and he put it, the two and two together. Okay. Um, yay for the power of a library, because he was able to figure all this shit out. I still have issues as to why in the hell the kid decided to investigate a random old man. It didn't it still doesn't make sense why this kid just randomly decided to do it. And I think that by the end of the book, I think that's the point that Stephen King was trying to make. But again, these are notes from the beginning, and I didn't get it at the time. I still don't get it, but it somehow works. Mm. 
And the more I read uh, the story, the more the scene kept playing in my head, the one I watched. It wasn't just the hurt and defeat of the old man. Every time they would cut to the kid, he was just pure evil. And uh, from the beginning, it's shown that Todd is evil. Uh, he can't stop smiling to the point that it's uh, almost like a maniacal grin. And it just keeps getting wider and wider, even though he's uh, he was disappointed in the state of an SS officer's house, the state of dress early that uh, Denker was wearing early in the morning. You know, he showed up to the door in a robe and slippers. <coughs> Excuse me. I did not like the kid from the get-go. Like, at all. Because of the movie and just... The way it kept going. I never liked this kid. So he shows up at Denker's house. I didn't explain that well enough in the notes. And, um, he shows up at Denker's house, accusing him of being a SS officer, yet not just a German soldier in the army. He is an SS officer who was a commandant of one of the concentration camps. And, of course, Denker tries to deny it. And then the truth finally comes out. He admits to it. And this damn kid flat out, almost flat out says he gets off on stories about concentration camps that he found in old war magazines. And that is why he hunted down Denker after he recognized him. That is why he wanted more personal stories about the concentration camps and shit that happened. Denker, uh, he kept trying to lie about who he was, but the freaking kid saw through it and just started asking questions. Like if Denker had ever met Ilsa Koch, which I do know from my own research for an ongoing project, uh, The Price of War, Ilsa was known as the bitch of Buchenwald. Her husband was the commandant of the concentration camp, and Ilsa just happily abused the prisoners. Uh, she was also known as one of the worst villains of the Nazi party. So, I thought that was cool, but, uh, yeah. 
Well, I still do not agree with Todd asking about it. The fact that Todd knew who she was, but at the same time, this was taking place in like the 1970s, I think. It said at the beginning of the chapter, and I don't remember. Anyway, so, you know, the war wasn't fresh, but it's it was fresher then than it is now. So, you know, maybe they had more in-depth during school, in-depth lessons about the war during school, but I don't know. <laughs> Um, Todd also reveals he keeps a scrapbook of all his information. And I, I still think, um, the kid in this story is related to Annie Wilkes from Misery and Henry Bowers from It. I mean, it, he is like the perfect embodiment of Psycho stalker, psycho bully. And I still don't buy. Oh, not only do I not buy the fact that this kid recognized Denker from an old photograph when he was young and seeing his old wrinkly self on a bus. I don't buy that. But, this 13-year-old little brat lifted fingerprints off of a mailbox, was able to differentiate them from the um, mailman's fingerprints and Dinker's fingerprints. And he compared them to a record that he found in the library on Denker. Do we Americans, like, have access to files that would include people's fingerprints from overseas? Do we? And why do, if we do, why? It, it doesn't make sense that we would have that in depth of records on somebody overseas. I don't even know why a library would have fingerprint records in general. If you have an idea, please contact me. Tell me. But, um, yeah, so we go back to... He lifted fingerprints off a mailbox. <coughs> Excuse me. When um, 
Denker starts telling his actual experiences, he uh, makes a reference that his banker slash accountant went to jail for murdering his wife. Which is actually a uh, reference back to Shawshank Redemption when Andy Dufresne went to jail for killing his wife, even though he didn't. I love how King keeps most, if not all, of his books connected to one another, even though they're not, like, part of a series. Almost every book I have read has a small reference to one of his other books. And he also has a uh, villain of sorts that is mentioned in a lot of the books as well. Uh, Randall Flagg. He's been mentioned in like nine or so of them. And it just, it keeps the books cohesive and it's nice. I need to stop the tangents. Um, and my rant about moral ambiguity comes into play. So there is a method to my madness. Todd plainly states all the gruesome stuff he wants to hear about. And Denker calls him a monster. The kid laughs it off and starts listing stats from Denker's career. Um, Patton concentration camp was killing 2,000 people a day before Denker had arrived. After he took his job, it went up to 3,000. By the end of the war, it was up to 3,500. He had won a medal for being efficient at his job. And he calls the kid, you know, the kid found it funny. You're calling me a monster? Look at the shit you did. But Denker claimed... He was just following orders. He was trying to be a good soldier. But this conversation is happening after the fact, when he's been in hiding for 20 plus years. He is still hiding. So him saying he, just, he was just following orders, he wanted to be a good soldier, You can't take it as the full truth. You know, the talk might have gone differently if Denker was confronted about this before the end of the war. Or, you know, if he knew he could get away with it. The conversation would be completely different. We never know a person and can only rely on the words they give us, never knowing, never truly knowing if what they say is true. Um, yes, I know this is a physical, er, fix, physical, 
fictional character. But I'm sure, you know, German soldiers were asked about this stuff that, well, the stuff that they did and how um, they felt about it after the war ended. Some of those conversations were probably pretty similar to this one. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Water. The conversations were probably similar. Uh, but they could have, the soldiers could have had a reputation during the war for enjoying the acts that they carried out. Or truly believed that what they were doing was right. But, um, the conversation played out like it did. Todd didn't care about the morality of it or the political side. He just wanted to hear about the murders and the experiments, um, the spoils of war that the Germans took when they conquered more land. Denker tried to talk him out of it, but the brat said if he didn't talk, Todd would tell everyone in town who he really is, and uh, Denker would be arrested, handed over to um, Israeli Nazi hunters to face trial. So, Denker had to comply. <laughs> And it wasn't just a one-off little session. Months and years in the end, uh, Todd would go to Denker's house every day and every day after school asking questions about the past and just digging deeper and deeper into the horrific side of things. His parents were okay with this. They believed he was just reading books to an old man. And all through the questioning, Denker would try to lighten the horrors or divert the topic. But Todd and his creepy, evil little grin wouldn't have it. And would start asking more questions to stay on topic. Or, you know, would threaten the old man to keep going. When Todd's grades started slipping, his parents made him cut back with his on his time with Denker. Instead of seven days a week, he could only go six. One day, that was all he got cut off. And this whole time... It's taking a physical and mental toll on Denker. He starts losing weight. Uh, he lost so much weight that Todd said he looked as gaunt as the inmates from the concentration camps. He Denker wasn't sleeping well. Nightmares he thought he got rid of when he left Germany started coming back. 
and uh, he started drinking more than he used to. Probably figuring if he can get drunk, he's not going to dream. But they always came for him. And I can, at that point, I could feel us inching closer and closer to the scene that I didn't want anything to do with. Because Denker's being worn down and just starting to crumble. And I still had a good, you know, three quarters of the book to go. I knew it was coming. And first, I knew it was coming soon. Excuse me. Um, and this part just solidified that it was coming soon. For Christmas, angelic little Todd bought Denker a full SS uniform with boots. It wasn't an actual, like, um, I'm going to say wool, but I don't know if the uniforms were actually made of wool. But it wasn't like an actual real SS uniform. It was just something he found at a costume shop. Holy crap. Uh, I know when I first saw, when I saw the scene on from the movie, I just thought it was like Denker's uniform to begin with. You know, like um, the kid found it while he was rooting around the house and pulled it out of mothballs. And the kid just demanded he put it on. But apparently the kid bought the whole uniform with boots. Mm. He does demand that Denker put it on. And, you know, so began the scene of my childhood trauma. Denker marched around the kitchen completely it started off okay I mean Denker was defeated he totally worn down he didn't want to wear the uniform but there was nothing else he could do he was broken and I should have known from that moment when he was broken things were going to change as he's marching and he broke down something snapped um The demon child ordering his movements around sent Denker's mind 
back to uh, World War II. He flipped from being a broken man into a soldier and the commandant that he was. His whole body picked up and stood you know, ramrod straight as it hasn't done in years. Um, his whole demeanor and attitude just he was no longer 70 something years old he was back in the war he was fresh in his prime that part was horrible but there was a small upside while doing this Todd starts to realize the power he had over Denker and he becomes afraid of it. Um, because everything, all of the stories now felt more real to him. And it was like before you know he just saw pictures and he he's heard the stories but he they didn't feel real until this one scene and he has like a slight freak out moment but he talks himself into making it okay But it's, it, it also um, started the nightmares for Todd. It was kind of funny. Um, when Denker put on the uniform, his nightmare stopped. As long as he was in uniform. That comes up later. But... Uh, Nightmares started for Todd when Denker put on the uniform. So at this point, I thought it was going to turn out differently than what it did. But it didn't. <laughs> um, Todd's grades started slipping. No more A's and B's. He was firmly getting C's, D's, and F's. Um, and part of, part of him thought that was what he wanted, you know, so his parents would put a stop to his activities and make him stay home, stay away from the old man. larger part of him said fuck that and he changed the grades on his report card I really did not like this kid 
So, I wouldn't care at this point, at any point, if he, you know, randomly died. But that doesn't happen. At one point, it was joked about that um, the kid should invite him, invite Denker over for dinner. And Denker joked about it because, you know, he said he was going to tell the truth about everything. Even though, you know, that would still put him in danger. So, you know, it was just kind of a big joke. You know, they they didn't like each other. There was a lot of animosity. And... But they still got along for mutual needing basis, I guess. The kid did, excuse me, the kid did invite, um, the kid ended up inviting him to dinner where, <clears throat> damn it, Denker lied about his history again, you know, told him he didn't do much in the war. He worked at a factory, I think it was. Um, and it was a nice little dinner that they had. The mom, uh, said one of my favorite lines from the book. I love the smell of a pipe. Don't you? Again, I love it because it reminded me of my great-grandpa. He used to smoke a pipe and uh, chew juicy fruit gum. But it was funny. The nice dinner that they had pissed Todd off. At this point, you know, he's having the nightmares. He's not eating well. He's not sleeping. He wanted out. But he knew he would not stop it himself. He wanted Denker to go over to the house and slip. So the parents would put a stop to him seeing the old man. But freaking Denker played it to a T and the parents loved him. Um, like I said, uh, three weeks after he got the costume or the uniform, Denker couldn't sleep without wearing it because it kept the nightmares away. But then it stopped working. Then there came more nightmare fuel. For me. Uh, Denker started reminiscing about his past and the nightmares while sitting outside trying to get a stray cat to drink a bowl of milk. I knew the second he started talking to the cat, 
bad things were coming. And I bitch about content warnings and how much I hate them. Because, I mean, you look at the cover, you know the author and what they do. You read the description of the book, you know what you're getting yourself into. No content warning is needed. But <laughs> this book, I think this is the only book I think might need it. If not for like the psychological abuse of an old man, then for the kitty flambe scene. Holy crap, that, I, that scene was very messed up. And I, even in Pet Cemetery, which gave me nightmares on its own, anything that happened in that book did not freak me out as much as the cat scene in this one. Um, holy crap. <laughs> so, the cat, you know, dies. And then I had, at some point I had a thought, um, and it's really, it brings up, a, the book brings up a good question. At what point should a man stop paying for his crimes? I mean, from the beginning... I've been more drawn to Dinker because it's a little old man who reminded me of my great-grandpa and me and children don't really get along. I don't wish them harm, but at the same time, not a big fan. Um, so and I really just do not like Todd, but at, and it really, it's a good question in general, but it was a big question for me. At what point do I excuse his actions just because he reminds me of family? And this brings me back, you know, to the very beginning when I ranted about never really knowing how a person felt in the moment or ever. Do I excuse him, you know, because he was just following orders? Or do I think he was feigning remorse? For Denker, it 
it's hard to, uh, it was definitely hard to believe he was remorseful after the cat incident. But at the same time, he could have been truly remorseful and he was just pushed into his memories. He was forced back into time, you know, to relieve his worst days. So can he be judged harshly for reacting, reacting to the remembrance of his trauma? I don't know. The book made me think a lot. Still makes me think a lot. But um, time is running out for this episode. So take a short break and I'll be back.